0: Fresh Art International presents conversations about creativity in the 21st century. This is Fresh Art International. I'm Kathy Bird. We bring you voices from the center and fringe of art scenes around the world. Today's episode is a feature of our Fresh Art Playlist series. We're inviting artists, curators, architects, writers, filmmakers, cultural producers, and other listeners to share episodes that inspire them. From a small coastal community in Jamaica, Nadine Hall is an emerging artist with a BFA in textiles and fiber arts from Edna Manley College of the Visual and Performing Arts. She explores ideas of identity, gender, race, and power, through mixed-media installation, fiber sculpture, tapestry, and fashion. Here, Nadine Hall introduces the episode, Diaspora Vibe, Art with Caribbean Roots. The Diaspora Vibe episode from the
1: Fresh Art Archive is my favorite, a dream-come-true story to share. Kathy Bird recorded a conversation with me in summer of 2017, just before I traveled outside of my homeland, Jamaica, for the first time. That's where Vibe Cultural Arts Incubator had invited me to Miami to spend one month at Fountainhead Residency. Two years later, I've returned to South Florida. I'm here to pursue an MFA in sculpture at the University of Miami with a three-year scholarship. In this episode, you'll hear my voice and the story behind the first step in my incredible journey.
0: Today we're celebrating contemporary art with roots in the Caribbean and Latin America. To situate the subject, we're going to share a conversation recorded in 2014 with Franklin Sermons. He's currently director of the Paris Art Museum in Miami. At the time we spoke, Franklin was contemporary art curator at the Los Angeles County Museum of Art. He'd taken on the exciting challenge of curating the third iteration of the Prospect New Orleans Biennial, also known as Prospect Three or P3. You'll hear Franklin refer to Dan Cameron. Dan's the curator who launched the International Art Exhibition in the wake of Hurricane Katrina, a legendary storm that devastated New Orleans and the surrounding southern coast of the United States, in 2005. Franklin's expansive concept for P3 spanned decades and oceans, embracing the full creative force of art from the global south. I'm referring to countries in Africa, Asia, and Latin America. An impressive number of artists identifying with these regions participated in P3. Music in this episode features two that perform as Los Jai Checkers.
2: and foremost is that the show or the exhibition and the project really began with Dan as a sort of, not reaction, but in the wake of Hurricane Katrina. And I think that that major catastrophic event played so much of a role in terms of the art and discussion around the exhibition at its founding. And I believe that now at this point further removed, that we can do something quite different. So we are drawing upon a thematic that, you know, includes aspects of New Orleans very specifically, but not necessarily that one event.
0: Franklin introduces the biennial subtitle, one that evokes a very ambiguous
2: sense of place. The exhibition for me is um, something that is subtitled somewhere and not anywhere and so there is this very strong focus on that place and it can't be done anywhere else by any means but it is also wide enough to encompass many different ideas and many different places and artists so i'm hoping that that's what rings true and what that's what people are left with
0: that would be considered your curatorial vision or your philosophy that's behind how you're organizing this Exhibition.
2: Well, the philosophy very much comes out of a research and experience in thinking about these type of biennial exhibitions and how they have been used historically. So, I think the approach begins there.
0: Franklin says that books are often where his curatorial projects begin.
2: For me, literature always provides a sort of jump-off point, and in this case, you know, I've been thinking about several different epic kind of novels, if you will because that's what I do, and that's kind of where the approach often begins, and have settled on a book very specific to New Orleans called The Movie Goer by Walker Percy, which takes us back historically, of course, to the late 50s and early 60s. That plays a really important role, and I think that although there are works that span all the way back to the beginning of the 20th century, that our discussion is very much in the here and now.
0: The 2014 US Biennial thinks about existentialism, exoticism, and other idiosyncratic ideas.
2: I would say that the moviegoer provides inspiration as a sort of existentialist, discursive kind of text in which things happen very subtly, perhaps poetically. And that the surface of that book is in New Orleans, but again, it could be anywhere else. And it really, at its heart, it's about people and how do people see each other. So for me, visually, that relates back to two artists. One is Paul Gauguin and one is Tarsila do Amaral, a Brazilian artist. And there's a conversation between those two that's happening And it has to do with how we choose to see each other. And I think that comes out of a reading of the book, perhaps. With Gauguin, there is, uh, I think, an interesting side where it's trying to find himself in this sort of other, this exoticized other, perhaps. And then with Tarsila, she's trying to define another, as in define what it is to be Brazilian in the 1920s. Franklin talks about
0: a 1928 manifesto that shaped Tarsila's perspective and introduces some of the 21st century views in the biennial.
2: That relates very much to a manifesto called the Cannibalist Manifesto or Anthropophagia. And so this idea of eating the other in order to show one's true self. So she's talking about the Brazilian identity around native, African, European, and it can't be one without the other. So they're coming at these ideas around the other from two different viewpoints, from two different places in the world, from two different cultural experiences. But I think there's something interesting in that dialogue. Moving forward from there, I mean, there are several nodes of sustained thought or interest that artists will address. So you have artists who are interested in crime and punishment, for instance, in a very universal way. Artists who are interested in the South. Uh, In fact, there is a sort of smaller exhibition That is part of the general exhibition called Basquiat and the Bayou, which is very much about the American South, about the Mississippi River and the area. And then there are other ways of addressing that and to think about the Caribbean, to think about South America, to think about Central America, think about Latin America. As a node and not as the margin, but as the center.
0: The Lower Ninth Ward, a neighborhood devastated by Hurricane Katrina, was the focal point of Prospect One Interventions. I know that Prospect One and Prospect Two as well had a relationship with different communities, like Mark Bradford did a project within a community, and Wangetchi did the project in the house that was missing. And I'm wondering how are the artists working in communities or within Mm -hmm.
2: environments this time? Well, those specifically in the past were all in the Lower Ninth work. And we have something going on there, but it's not by any means a central focus of this exhibition. The show will take place in most of the institutional venues, including the Contemporary Art Center, the New Orleans Museum of Art, the Ogden Museum of Southern Art, the Newcomb at Tulane. And and then there are these other positions around the city that artists have been working on for quite some time as far as site-specific projects.
0: Franklin introduces several of the artists involved in neighborhood projects.
2: There are several of those that are at play. One is with uh, Duo Los Jai Chakras, another is with the artist Theaster Gates, another big one is with the artist Glenn Kino. Uh, Mary Ellen Carroll has been working on one for a long time. And all of these are kind of spread out and I think that they are part of the sort of, the surprises, the poetry and uh, things that, you know, I don't know exactly in some cases what we're going to see. And one of the ideas behind that though that touches upon, I think, What you're mentioning of the Lower Ninth Ward past experiences is that there is a concern within this exhibition for leaving something in New Orleans and not just doing a biennial that comes and goes, but for instance, there are a couple of ephemeral works that are going to change people's lives, like literally like entrepreneurial setups that will allow some people to become entrepreneurs long after the biennial is gone. Another project is to provide internet into a neighborhood that that doesn't have it, which is almost unheard of at this point in the game in this country.
0: We talk about the challenges that come with the biennial model. Among them, sustainability. I'm thinking that just globally, the biennial is maybe a problematic platform.
2: Um, Yeah, I don't know. It's the circumstance. Each one is specific to its circumstances support comes from different places and in different ways i think it's a matter of being able to work from a standpoint that allows for the form to grow and to change and to be dynamic in the way that it relates to its host city so we are tapping into the cultural life of new orleans like you can't do a show there and not think about music and not think about food and I mean these are important aspects of it and I believe that plays an important role and that those kind of ties are important to sustainability.
0: Where does Prospect fit into the international conversation of biennials?
2: It's a pretty amazing city in terms of its uniqueness, not unlike a Venice. It's a city that has a lot to offer in terms of cultural activity and it has a lot to offer as a site of disruption in some ways or as a site of interest in terms of American history in terms of American politics in terms of right now and so it has something to offer to a conversation that is not only about contemporary art it's built into the city and has been situated at least you know in the prior exhibitions as an international biennial that came about in the wake of Katrina, but with an eye on Venice, an eye on Documenta. So that is the foundation that Dan set that I've tried to use as a platform. So I think it can be a really viable voice.
0: Finally, I'd really love to know what you hope to leave behind as your own curatorial statement, so to speak
2: just one good show that people want to see and that makes people experience that city more. And I think that with the mix of artists that we're working with, that people will be really, really curious about coming to see the exhibition and that the platform provided is one that honors the place in which it takes place while also opening up a dialogue or a conversation with everywhere else.
0: Good morning. This is Fresh Art International, live streaming on Jolt Radio in Miami, Florida. I'm Kathy Bird. Today we're exploring contemporary art linked to the Caribbean and Latin America. You just heard my conversation with Franklin Sermons on curating the International Exhibition Prospect New Orleans, with an eye toward Africa, Latin America, and Asia. Later in this show, you'll hear New Orleans described as an African city. Miami's strongest immigrant communities are rooted in the Global South, too. Anyone who's been here for more than five minutes can feel it. You're about to experience the creative side of these communities. With curator Rosie Gordon-Wallace, founder of the Diaspora Vibe Cultural Arts Incubator, or DVCAI. The arts initiative, founded 20 years ago, nurtures a growing family of artists and connects them with curators, collectors, scholars, and new cultural environments. Something that many of these artists have in common is the fact that they're underserved by local and global art markets, So it might surprise you to know that two of the venues where locals and visitors can currently encounter their work in Miami are inside luxury properties on Miami Beach. I live on the beach, so I don't need a car to reach these fresh art destinations. Instead, I hop on my bike, and it takes me only 20 minutes to reach the neighborhood known as South Beach. My first stop is a modest contemporary art display on the ground floor of a high-rise residency at the south end of Washington Avenue. Rosie Gordon Wallace meets me here to show me paintings, prints, and sculptures that she chose to introduce art of the Caribbean genre. Our conversation
3: begins with a bit of diaspora vibe history, in 1996, when we just started, we started with a single goal of just having an exhibition space. So the Diaspora Vibe Gallery, which is a space in 1996 to showcase the artists, artists' were coming back to Miami from major colleges, Chicago Institute, Pratt, um, you know, all over. And they were not being received in a way that would help them to enhance their work. And is this all taking place in Miami? This is all taking place in Miami. It, that was the initial starting in 1996. We rented a space at the Bakehouse Art Complex, actually two spaces, and then, then it became three spaces. So. I started in my living room. I got the guys together, and as a matter of fact, Kathy, Asir St. Val, whom you're going to speak to, was one of the first artists that started with us. So we've come 20 years full circle, and none of us have gotten any older.
0: That's right. (laughs) The energy is so obviously uh, there, strong, continuous, the passion is there absolutely, and the community that you're building through it. I think that's one thing you and I've talked about right. before is the importance of community. Right. I mean, it's important community for artists in general, but artists that feel like they're at the fringe, that they're not at the center of attention, that they have to fight every step of the way to be recognized, that community is critically important.
3: And, and I want to add to that, um, we're all immigrants. And, you know, in 1996, the issues of immigrants are the same as the issues in 2017. And, and maybe more profound. Well, they're, they're there. They're there. Then there is multi-layered. And what happens in terms of the contemporary artist is when you work from the periphery coming in without any generational memory, without any grandfathers, without any uncles and aunts to call to make the connection generationally for you, you're really starting from ground zero. So that for me became my inner mantra that said, I don't want another Caribbean artist to... Have these difficulties, especially after having done the things we have told them to do That's go to right. school, go to a four year college, you know. And so. in spite of that community,
0: many yeah. artists feel isolated in their practice, right. anyway. no matter where they live. And these artists, though, growing up in isolation, literally right. on floating countries, right. countries that are surrounded by water, it's not easy to get around, to get people to come to you unless you're a tourist destination. They're not coming there for art necessarily
3: unless you push it. right? And, and I must say that the initial group of artists had all made the transition, the immigrant transition from country to the mainland. And Miami, as you and I know and feel and live every day, is just another Caribbean state. We are a part of the U.S., but in truth and in fact, there are more of us that have come from that archipelago of islands than those of us who were born here. And even the the people who were born in the United States have come from other states. So I always joke and said, if you came from Iowa or Idaho or Mississippi, to Miami, you're an immigrant because you, you face the same outsider issues. There's
0: a third language that's used here in Miami, too, for uh, even, uh, well, I know one of the major founders of funding for the arts in Miami, the Knight Foundation, has all their application forms in Spanish, English, and Creole. Yes,
3: and, and, and um, commendably so. Um, just today, as a sidetrack, we were talking in our docent meeting about the fact that the Perez Art Museum Miami has the dual labeling, All the word text, or the wall text um, is in English and Spanish, and it. Uh, I think it uh, it affords us um, an entrance. It's another layer of gentility as well. So, yeah. So it it's um, it is exciting to be able. I. I I know that the years have passed. And I know that um, chronologically, 20 years of work, dedicated work, of difficult work, has been done. But in truth and in fact, we have accomplished a community. Most of these artists can pick up the phone and speak to somebody in a country that we have visited. They have friends in New York. They have friends in Canada that they didn't have 20 years ago. We have a board of directors. We have cultural affairs, Miami-Dade Cultural Affairs, to thank for their vision to have a grant such as that. We are unique in this city. There was another international cultural exchange grant in L.A. that has been disbanded. So I am, I am honored and privileged when we go. I always tell the artists we are ambassadors of our city, Miami-Dade, and we are also nationalists going back to countries that we know intimately. So yes,
0: but if there are artists listening to us today that don't know about this community, that don't know about these opportunities, where would they find you? I would say, how
3: come? <laughs> <laughs> is that possible? Is that possible? <laughs> um, they would certainly find us on the net, on the internet. We have become a global space. Where our real estate is in the sky. Um, at, and our, our website is Vibe cultural arts incubator dvcai.org okay and i'll repeat that dvcai.org, DVCAI.org. and um, i know it sounds as if it's complicated but each and every one of those words have meaning that we have been able to tag our work too let's talk about that then yeah yeah
0: Okay, diaspora. We're talking about the Caribbean. Nineteen ninety-six,
3: Kathy, when we started talking about the word diaspora, um, many of my friends who came to the Bakehouse would challenge me as to our use of the word, especially my Jewish friends. They would they they thought that they had zip coded that word, and in truth and in fact, the Jewish diaspora was properly defined. Now in 2017, you hear it all the time on the radio, in common conversation. Many cultural diasporas. That's right, that's not, right. No one owns that word. To our credit, to our credit. So that word was purposeful. Cultural, because we represent many other cultures. It's not, we are I'm not a Jamaican um, incubator. We are a Caribbean incubator. What about vibe? We miss vibe. The vibe we miss. We didn't miss it. I was just going over it. The <laughs> Jumped vibe, over it. Kathy, we can feel it just sitting beside each other. That's right. There is there is a palpable um, excitement when you go to those uh, those islands in that archipelago, and you and I know because you travel a lot and I love hearing your your stories. We know that the Caribbean. Uh, is defined usually by islands that touch the Caribbean Sea. But there is an emotional Caribbean. There's a geographic Caribbean that is way beyond that sea. And so that is where the, 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 the pulsating vibe comes from. And then I'm a scientist. So the incubator, when you incubate something, you know, I used to work in virology and microbiology. And when we had our chicks that we incubated, the day-old chicks, it was amazing to watch them in a temperature that encouraged growth. The word incubator in Diaspora Vibe, cultural incubator, was purposeful. I'm hoping that we have um, not only nurtured our, the artists, but that we have given them a platform that, through nurture, they can come to full realization and maturation. And through community, they can feel uh, a sense of belonging. And the arc of creating the work from brain to heart, heart to brain, to canvas, right? And then to the public, and then to a collector, hopefully to a museum. We have a couple of artists who have their work in museums. Um, that arc is, brings me great joy.
0: Good morning, this is Fresh Art International. On today's show, we're talking about contemporary art with strong ties to the Caribbean and Latin America. I'm with Rosie Gordon Wallace, founder and director of the Miami Arts Initiative known as Diaspora Vibe Cultural Arts Incubator. We're sitting in the common area on the ground floor of a luxury high rise on Miami Beach. The Diaspora Vibe has just begun to activate this space. A couple of weeks ago, Rosie introduced me to Acer Sanval, one of the artists whose work is on view. I asked Acer to meet us here. He's just home from a residency in Santiago de Cuba. The second largest city in Cuba is a 10-hour drive from Havana at the tip of the southeast coast. Let's listen to a few minutes of sound from the short documentary that Santiago filmmaker Jorge Morcillo produced about Asar Sanval's performance project.
1: Cuando la tener la oportunidad de ser parte de arte, eh, hubo momentos que también la gente está un poquito reservada, está un poquito cuestionando que, que cómo es y qué voy a sentir y qué tengo que experimentar. ¿Quién <tose> ¿A
4: But
5: overall, I think it was very successful. They embrace that they are. It ignite imagination.
0: Pero después, in definitiva, the gente se se envolvió en el experimento, en el concepto, y lo disfrutó. Fue todo un éxito. I'm really excited to meet you tonight, and lucky that you just got back from Cuba.
5: Yes, Santiago de Cuba.
0: Yes, one yeah. of the incubator projects, mm-hmm, I would say. One and of the... Rosie was telling me mm-hmm. how you have been involved in this initiative since day one.
5: Yes, since day one. Really, day one. Wow. From the start. Yes,
0: That's absolutely. very cool. Uh-huh. And what I was reading about you, let's see, you were born in Haiti. Haiti. I was, yes. You've lived in Miami for quite a while, though. You studied in the U.S.
5: Yes, most of my education.
0: I want to talk about the project you just did in Cuba. Yeah. And I noticed that it's a project that you had done earlier here in Miami.
5: Here in Miami, yes.
0: Called the Philosopher's Stone.
5: Yes, La Piedra Filosofal in Spanish. Say that
0: again in Spanish? La
5: Piedra Filosofal.
0: I saw uh, it brought in a lot of people together.
5: It did. It brought the community together and Santiago de Cuba. We, I, and I can't even say I anymore because the art community in Cuba um, was so excited and everyone wanted to be a part and help and see it realized in the city. Um, so right now it's really we created a public art installation um, that was very multi-sensory
0: I saw a bed being constructed mm-hmm. I saw headsets mm-hmm. a balloon shaped mm-hmm. like
5: like something you've never seen before an ambiguous form that would ignite imagination
0: floating above the bed
5: floating above the bed when I did it in, um here in Miami I used Um, tons of helium to float it. Unfortunately um, uh, Cuba did not have that resource, helium. The solution was to pull it up and hang it rather than have it float. We used a tree to hold it up. It was amazing the community, the public, the artists, they were all inspired, even people who are not artists were inspired because this is something they've never seen before, because Santiago de Cuba, um, art culture, its they call it uh, arte plástica, and here we would call it mostly modern art, where artists are using basically varied... Um, um, More medium that are more traditional.
0: I was just going to say, traditional media, not expecting this multi-sensory experience. So there was a bed, and I saw the bed being blessed.
5: There were... Uh,
0: There was some um, anointment of the bed.
5: Anointment. Those were uh, um, oils. They used 13 different oils to... Um, anoint the bed, so when you are as a viewer you're not sure what, which one you're smelling, and sometimes you invent new smells
0: but it, there's an aura there's, to the bed.
5: yeah, the bed mm-hmm. smells have thirteen different smells somewhere clothes, somewhere lemon, somewhere lavender, somewhere um, many many different.
0: beautiful two. What were people hearing what there uh, were, there you- were each person would come and lie on the bed. And they had headsets.:
5: Yeah. They were hearing a manifestation of a visual image. But what the voice was me speaking in four languages. random thoughts, uh, thoughts were from my subconscious mind, and they, that was recorded through a binaural recording system that creates a 3D space in your head.
0: They were invited to lie down and mm-hmm. have this listening experience.
5: Uh huh. They were invited to lay down, wear the headset, um, indulge into this uh, surreal space, um, using all their senses. Um, especially the sight and audio as well has taste Okay. Yeah. When I got to Cuba, there was a new component that was added to the um, installation. I collaborated with an artist named Dennis oh, Galeado. Oh, I saw
0: people being fed something. Yeah. What were, you, what were they being fed?
5: They were being fed. Uh, the goal was to feed them uh, food that, was on, that wasn't common to them. Basically, I brought uh, sunflower seed, um, non-seasoning, no salt, just natural sunflower seed, which has a lot to do with my concept and ideas uh, with the work. Um, what Denis Delgado did is I took his work, which were drawings, and we hired a model and transformed from an image drawing to a real person. So he created a mask.
0: Yes, I saw that was beautiful. It yeah. really reminded me of your paintings.
5: That, and when I saw his work at the Atlas Sky Gallery in Santiago, I wanted to call him, I told the curators there I'd like to meet him, I'd like to collaborate with him through this project because that was one of the goals, to bring the energy of Santiago into the installation. I called him and ironically, my Spanish wasn't as great, but luckily he spoke French because he traveled to France to show to his work and also other speaking countries. So we were able to uh, communicate with uh, French and did the entire project all in French.
0: To describe the experience now, what's the story behind the experience? Well, the
5: story behind it, it's titled The Philosopher's Stone. And The Philosopher's Stone is a concept we have always understood through books, movies, um, uh, literatures. Uh, And its portrayal has something that is very, very, very far, uh, distant. Um, In order to find it, you have to go through fire or um, through portals that are impossible, impossible task. But through my studies, um, I've understood that it's actually something within you that you need to find. Mm
0: How close do you think people came to finding their stone?
5: I think, <laughs> I think they did because the stone is your, your philosopher's stone is your innermost deepest creative uh, side. And you're doing that all the time. We are inventing, especially a city like Santiago with such little resource, they are inventing from nothing. And they're creating from nothing.
0: So this was a performance piece that now has been disassembled, it's no longer there.
5: Luckily, I met an artist um, named Jorge Mosirio, who, um, in my proposal of the project, of speaking with them in the city, he loved it so much. He's a documentary, he creates films, and he decided to do a documentary. And this is how we heard. So it's documented um, from beginning to end.
0: Tell me, what did you come away with as an artist?
5: As an artist, I felt like I was inspiring more, and I came away with a sense of uh, network and uh, friendship. Socially, I came away with something completely different. There was a sense of just humbleness among some of the great artists there. They were very professional, but at the same time, They were helping me, Mm -hmm. and it was normal. I was dealing with um, a gentleman named Tomayo, who is an amazing painter. He travels all over the world. I have seen his work, documentaries, and he worked with me, helping me with my installation. Like I was his uh, his friend, who we've been in school together for the longest. And I thought that was so beautiful for him to... I thought that's, I got away with this sense of none, what's the word I'm looking for? There was no pretentiousness. There was just um, human being, artists, creative minds, and it was among everyone, not just the artists, everyone.
0: Do you sense a change or shift in terms of what could come of your experience there? Did it spark some new ideas?
5: I hope so, and I think it did. I think it sparked boldness, the ability to do what you want to do by any means. Because some of the artists, they all have great ideas, but they felt because of resources, they can't do it. Or because of the economy, they can't do it. But I think the um, the installation had an impact on them that, look at these ideas I have on my notebook, I'm going to try to do them. No, if you feel good being here, imagine so. then
0: they're like, Oh. <laughs> Good morning. This is Fresh Art International. We just shared conversations with two members of Miami's Caribbean community, Rosie Gordon Wallace and Asao Sanval, who's just returned from a residency in Cuba. Now you're going to meet another artist who benefits from Diaspora Vibes Residency Program. Gérard Caliste was born in New Orleans, Louisiana, where his grandparents raised him. He's had tremendous fun and great success making art since he was a teenager. Houston is currently his home base, but he doesn't seem to miss Texas right now. For the past few weeks, Gérard has been in Miami making art in a big studio space on Bird Road. This is his second visit to the city. We meet at the Betsy Hotel on South Beach. Where he's presenting an informal breakfast talk. Here's Rosie Gordon Wallace introducing him to a room full of curious artists, writers, curators, and collectors.
3: So I want to introduce to you Gerard Calist, who is the artist of the moment. Mm-hmm. Gerard, be yourself, take us on the journey, and we want to tell you that it has been an absolute joy to host you at 4726 and to host you at Diaspora Bible Cultural Action. Thanks.
6: You um, I would just feel very grateful for this opportunity, and I would, of course, like to thank VASP, by cultural incubator, Rosie Garden, and for bringing me here, and also, obviously, the Bessie for hosting this event, um, Jean blackwell um Iggy of Studio you know, 4726, they have been like a of my Miami family and make me feel welcome because I obviously don't know no one here, but you guys. So I'm building upon that because I do feel a connection to Florida, Miami. It just feels natural. It's been very organic. Let's put it like that. This is my website. I'm gonna start with my first series, which was um, called Waterlines. Um, First off, let me say, I am an expressionist artist. I define my Art styles, um, New American Abstract Modern Expressionism, um, because I personally feel that every artist, of course, you want to work in a genre, but you also got to fine-tune it to what works for you. Because my form of expressionism may look different than others, so I need to distinguish that as an artist. So I kind of found it, and this that term, trying to found a actual art style. Um, it takes with creating the work, and as you create the work, you know developed and people were acknowledging. So that's my style. The first series is called Water Lines. Um, This was a reaction for the events that happened in New Orleans, Katrina. Obviously that event um, had a profound effect on the people of New Orleans. Um, My art, it was like the first time out of college, but I actually did a series of work. After the storm, I would go through the debris and most of the figures you see are just from my imagination. Um, I do reference real people sometimes, but the story I wanted it to, like, I guess, contain the human soul of the people of New Orleans, just the diversity. This is a piece from the Katrina. Like, you know, you find the family photographs and things like that. And so, my, again, like my grandmother is very significant. You can see, like, a port. This is actually a picture of her. I mean, I have the original picture of this Z-Rock, the top, yeah. You can see her in the center, you can see her grandmother, who was Native American, and you can see my nephew, and you can see the House of New Orleans. You can see, the, like, the exits. Like, when you go, like, doing, even now, today, you will see, like, how the marks, that say how many people were found, how many dead bodies. So that's what that symbolized. Yeah, that, that series, that was, it was very therapeutic for me more than just like this painting series. It's just, I felt better expressing it through visual arts. Mm -hmm. And again, all these characters are all made up. This is like a big painting to like four feet. I love working large. Um, I just don't have that space. That's why um, I guess organizations like Bass provide, uh, provide a space where artists like when you guys go to the studio you would—is this the walls where you could just I can't do that in Houston I really can't <laughs> <laughs> and so to do that to work that way like I naturally work because I'm an expressionist I work like that I'm not you know I do that sometimes you will see the difference between my pain is where I have to do this and my pain is where I have to do that and I appreciate both but just having space for artists, even if a person can't contribute dollars, if they could contribute space. I mean, that's just
0: crucial, you know? Scrolling through a library of images on his website, Gerard Caliste shows us lots of work. Intense paintings, drawings, and assemblages made from all sorts of media besides paint, including chewing gum wrappers, wire, boomboxes, and his own shirts. The room is abuzz after his talk. So great to just have heard you talk about your work. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, It
6: was wonderful to be able to share um, my, you know, my artistry.
0: Everyone was very impressed with the stories that you tell in your paintings. It sounds like you've had opportunities along the way that people have understood your talent, they felt that they've seen it, they've helped it unfold, and that this uh, Diaspora vibe is is maybe one of the latest chapters.
6: Yeah, it definitely is. And I believe that when things like you put that intent in the universe, it's going to manifest itself into different ways. And just having an opportunity to still be in painting and art after all this time, it has never stopped. And to, to having different platforms to build upon um, has been a great opportunity, and I just go for the ride and let it evolve naturally. Like I said, space is very important, having a facility to create, and that's in the most important aspect of the journey.
0: What do you hope will come of this particular residency out of this time um, that you spent in Miami? What's your my anticipation? Goal?
6: Um, hopefully just a more opportunity to come back to Miami because I Miami have a vibe that's kinda pulled me. You know certain cities have a lore to it. And I just feel things are so positive here. Like just the people I'm meeting, just the energy. I'm all about energy. And the energy here feel comfortable for me. And so my goal is to, just to be invited
0: back. Good morning. This is Fresh Art International. We're streaming live from Jolt Radio in Miami. Our conversation is about contemporary art with a connection to the Caribbean and Latin America. You just heard a few minutes of a talk that Houston-based artist Gerard Colis presented at the Betsy Hotel on Miami's South Beach. His second residency experience makes him eager to spend more time here. Now I'm making a couple of calls to introduce you to the next two artists making their way to Miami for a Diaspora vibe residency. First, I reach out to Nadine Hall on the island of Jamaica. Nadine is an emerging artist who recently earned a BFA in textiles and fiber arts. Her work explores the impact and significance of family legacies. I know that you're headed to Miami soon, very soon on a residency.
1: Yes, I have gotten an artist residency. I will be at the Fountainhead Studios for three weeks in August, and that was made possible by Diaspora Vibes Cultural Art Incubator.
0: How did you learn about this opportunity?
1: Well, the opportunity found me Um, during my Exam. I did a final body of work for my exams and from Edna Mali College in 2015. And uh, the chief examiner invited me to participate in the Rex Nettleford Conference, which is a biennial um, arts conference. And um, it was there that when I was set up the work to do the artist talk that um, I met Rosie Garden-Wallace, who is the curator and founder for Diaspora Vibes. And um, she saw the work and the residency was extended to me. So this has been a work in progress from 2015.
0: Wow. And this is your first time coming to Miami.
1: This is my first time anywhere out of Jamaica.
0: (laughs) Oh, my.
1: And I am grateful, looking forward to um, meeting the artist and um, to, you know, just to be immersed in that rich cultural um, arts atmosphere.
0: Well, tell me about the work that Rosie and her group discovered when they met you.
1: Well, uh, the work is directly linked to um, my heritage and it is entitled Heirlooms and it looks at heirlooms that we receive but not so much tangible heirlooms, the traditions, the skills um, and things like that and uh, I was influenced to be an artist from my mother growing up in Jamaica as a child I always saw her making clothes, she was a dressmaker And um, that influence was so impactful on me that I wanted to be like her and I wanted to extend her legacy. So the body of work um, explores her influence on me as well as um, giving a platform for me to further extend that legacy. My mother did not go to high school. She did not go to college. I took it a bit, a step further graduated from college with honors and um, looking forward also to doing my master's and to take it to that scope and an international platform also that this residency has given me the um, privilege to start that process of getting the work to that scale.
0: When we were talking a few minutes ago, you mentioned that you're from a family of makers
1: Yes, indeed. (laughs) My dad was a carpenter. My mom, a dressmaker. My grandmother, um, my maternal grandmother, she also did dressmaking. Um, Her brother was a draftsman and a builder. My grandfather, and these are from my mother's side, um, he was also a draftsman and a builder. I have an uncle who is an illustrator that um, worked for an advertising company as their graphic artist So, and illustrator. So it, it runs deep in the family and I could not hide from this. So this is um, just me getting the platform to and the opportunity to really um, foster the gift that I have and then to present it to the world.
0: Well, I know that Miami will be a great resource for you for stories to add to the stories you already have and your inheritance. I am looking forward to
1: being there, and it will be. This is um, groundbreaking, as I said. This is my first time out of Jamaica. This is my first residency. This is just a plethora of firsts right now, and I'm looking forward to sharing my gifts and also learning from the artists and being influenced and just sharing in that
0: rich cultural space that is in Miami. We look forward to meeting you in just a few days. That was my phone conversation with Nadine Hall, an artist from Jamaica who's coming to Miami for a Diaspora Vibe residency. For a few days at the end of her stay, Nadine will get to help celebrate the arrival of another incoming resident, Ashley Teemer. I reach out to Ashley in New Orleans, Louisiana. That's where she was born and where she now lives and works. Ashley's art explores the complexities of Black femininity through painting, collage, and animation. I am really excited to talk to you today because I know you're headed to Miami on a residency. Tell me about it.
4: Yes, I will be um, a guest of the Diaspora Vibe Cultural Arts Incubator from August 12th through August 31st.
0: This organization is specifically interested in creating a community around the diaspora. I know you're from New Orleans. What's your connection with the Caribbean?
4: Um, well, I am African-American uh, from the South. Uh, so the uh, historical connections that are obviously from that uh, identity. And then also um, just New Orleans, uh, where I'm from, is said to be one of the most African cities in America and shares many cultural connections with the Caribbean.
0: What are some of those traditions that are shared that you that you're thinking of?
4: I'm um, thinking about carnival. I'm thinking about um just the the culture of food and different foods that bring us together, uh, um, even architectural, many of the houses we have that are like shotguns um are connected to different, uh, Caribbean places and, um, the art, I mean, the arts, the parading, the adornments of people, um, costuming, and I think just a general, uh, type of attitude <laughs> that comes from being in a tropical climate.
0: I completely understand that. I think you're going to love it here. You've never been to Miami, right?
4: Yeah. This will be my first trip to Miami.
0: Super. I know that your work, I've been reading about it and looking at some of your videos, that you're really involved in exploring black femininity. And the work that really fascinated me that I want to share with our listeners is this video series that you've invented in response to some need that you observed or some interest that you've been exploring about women in sports.
4: In the past couple of years, I've been... Uh, using images from the Women's National Basketball Association, or WNBA, um, as a subject matter, a way to communicate um, to my audiences um, what's important to me, which are just uh, images of strong women um, in a visual arts context. So... I bought WNBA basketball cards on eBay and I just started to play with them. Um, Like many artists, I was just experimenting with how I could incorporate them into what I was already doing. And I thought that animation would be the best way. So in some of my videos, you can see that there's like some paintings that are there that I actually created while animating these figures. And, The story really that I've just been playing with is that the players are exploring these abstract spaces um, that are kind of like outer space uh, to find a new home where they can prosper and be seen as the superheroes that they are.
0: Well, let's listen to the sound of that experience. I, I love these works, and we'll share them online too with links to the videos.
6: Come on here, come on here, come on here, come on here, come on come on come on here, come on in! come on, come on, come on, come
0: here. Tell me about what you're going to be doing in Miami. What's the goal for your residency?
4: Um, for me, the goal uh, for coming to Miami is to, one, just explore the place and just, like, get a sense of uh, a different A different place in the U.S. There's many places I have not been. And I think um, recently I've been able to travel more through the residencies that I've I've done. Um, So I'm just excited to be in Miami and just take it all in. I think I use a lot of a place in my work. Um, So I'm just excited to see the, the the vegetation, the trees, the beach, and see how I can put that into my animations or my paintings. Um, also, just to meet other artists, um, the Diaspora Vibe Cultural Arts Incubator uh, is a part of a community of artists and curators and art enthusiasts and s- and so I'm super excited also to just be immersed in that group and just have conversations. Um, I love talking <laughs> and I love meeting new people. So, I, and that is also a part of a huge part of that insp- inspires my work is just hearing other people's experiences. So, I'm excited to. Uh, see the place see the people and also just have time to um work on my newer animations and i have a gopro and i love to collect video footage that i can incorporate in my stop motion pieces um so just like being a sponge i think is really what my overall goal is
0: well i'm excited that you're coming and look forward to welcoming you to miami thank you This is the Fresh Art International Podcast. I'm Kathy Bird. Thank you to Jamaica born artist Nadine Hall, DVCA Residency Alumna, for introducing a personally significant episode from her Fresh Art playlist. First published on July 26, 2017, this segment reveals the complexity and diversity. Of contemporary art with roots in the Caribbean. Franklin Sermons, director of the Paris Art Museum Miami, talks about the pivotal role of art from the global south in the triennial art exhibition known as Prospect New Orleans. Prospect returns to the Crescent City in November 2020. Diaspora Vibe Cultural Arts Incubator founder and curator Rosie Gordon-Wallace and Miami-affiliated artists describe how the Caribbean influences their work. DVCAI spotlights the region's cultural impact in the collaborative exhibition Intersectionality – Diaspora Art from the Creole City at George Washington University's Corcoran School of the Arts and Design in November, 2019, Intersectionality considers how life stories, memory, politics, myth, religion, and culture have generated the local, regional, and global phenomenon of the Creole city. Visit our website to learn more and hear other conversations about contemporary art. Please take a few minutes to review Fresh Art International on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Instagram at freshartintl. The John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, Emily Hall Tremaine Foundation, Locust Projects, and the Andy Warhol Foundation for the Visual Arts, the International Association of Curators of Contemporary Art, and listeners like you, make our podcast possible. Go to FreshArtInternational.com to receive our latest news and give a donation in any amount. Stay tuned for more contemporary art talk.